Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, I'm so down, I think I ate my body weight in donuts and chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> it, was a, it was a tough night, but uh, it wasn't altogether unexpected, I, I don't think. I think, you know, if, we, if you go back and listen to our last one, we both kind of saw this type of situation coming. ASU wound up falling 40-16 to 16 to Colorado, and let's quickly start with what went right. Zane Gonzalez hit three 50-plus yard field goals, including one of 59 yards, which is the Folsom Field <laughs> record for a visitor. Yeah. Um, so he cashed in three stalled drives and continued on, you know, what seems like a excellent season for kicking. Yeah, I mean, he, he uh, you know, I don't, I don't know numbers around the rest of the country, but be hard to think that he's not an All-American. Um, I mean, he's, what, 19 of 20 now on field goals. His only miss is from 53 yards. Um, you know, the, the touchbacks on kickoffs are incredible. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's a stud, no doubt. And, um, you know, hopefully we can do enough to take advantage of him this year the rest of the way um, because last night we, we certainly let a hell of a performance get, get kind of wasted. Yeah, I you know we were joking in our in the preview when we talked about this game about what was his range and his yeah. range was uh, visitor record range. So that's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy has been excellent. He's gotten better every year. I mean, it's uh, it's been nice with him because we had a kicker who you know got off to such a great start in his career in Thomas Weber, and I I think primarily because of injury, you know his his career kind of tailed each year from the hot start and get, you know, Gonzalez was, was good as a freshman um, and has just continued to get better and better. And, you know, he'll, he'll be a tough guy to replace next year, but we'll worry about that when we have to right now. It's, it's nice to have him. Well, you think about a guy who started his career with Alex Garut having to do kickoffs right. to now, you know, in the altitude in Colorado, he's booming the ball into the stands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been great. He really has. And, and, you know, special teams overall has been, uh, a fairly consistent thing this year. I mean, it, you know, it, with him obviously as as the best, but the punting game has been solid. Um, and you know, our only two turnovers last night were were special teams created. Although, I mean, I don't know if you're going to give him too much credit, but um, you know, it's mm. uh, hey, we have a touchdown primarily because of special teams last night. If we didn't have that, I'm not sure we ever get in the end zone. Yeah, I mean, we you know we've been on both sides of the muffed punt yes. fiasco, but. You know, when you have your backup punt returner in there, it's it's not easy, and and no, Colorado certainly discovered that. Yeah, well, we saw it last week with UCLA. Same deal. I mean, we, I don't, I don't know that we recovered any of those, but I think we had, th- you know, he had three in the first half that were were muff. I mean, that's a tough job, and and you know, yeah, you're right. We experienced it at, at uh, San Antonio that it's not easy just plugging a guy into that spot and and sending it back there. That's a it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Now, of course. We talked about Zane, and we talked about what went right, and I, I think we're done. I think we're done with <laughs> what went right. There wasn't much else. <laughs> well, I think maybe what went right is that it was only a 24-point loss because based on uh, what I what I heard from you and what I read, uh, the, the final score could have easily been you know more in the area of 55-7 to 7 or something like that. So uh, it seems like that was maybe as small a margin of victory as it could have been, uh, which isn't great, but you know I, I guess it's better than the alternative. Well, you had been on this story repeatedly, and, and I think it bore itself out in this game. 
at some point the blown coverages and the missed tackling were going to cost us and yes. both yeah. happened we had yeah. both things yep um, yep yep i mean it you know it's uh you saw warning signs with this team from the jump i mean we knew the defense was going to be shaky and it didn't take long in watching them play the first couple of weeks to see just how shaky and and, and so that's why at 4 and 0 yeah 4 and 0 was nice but I wasn't getting ahead of myself because you just knew that that this defense was going to come back to haunt us, and there were going to be games where we were not as efficient offensively as we were against Texas Tech, for example. Um, and that's a whole different struggle that we'll get to. But uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it just it, you can't you can't expect to win consistently with a defense that makes this many mistakes. Well, the whole pregame talk from Roxy Bernstein revolved around how ASU has the number one rush defense. ASU can really stop the run. I wonder if that may have just been that we had such a bad pass defense that no one tried to run on us because Colorado didn't really have much trouble. Phillip Lindsay, 26 carries for 219 yards and three touchdowns, including the backbreaker to open the second half. First play from scrimmage, 75-yard run, in which he got hit three times in the first 10 yards and then nobody got near him. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, and, and uh, that is the, the disturbing thing is is that's something that we have done fairly well, even last year with how bad the defense was. And, and to this point this year, um, we've we've contained teams running games except for the two losses. And, and look, those count. I'm, I'm not excusing it, but that's the common theme in the two losses, along with a struggling offense of our own. But you know, we have not stopped the run, and, and that's really the thing that we have to do because we have such issues with defending the pass that, if boy, if you give up the run, too, you're, you're really in big trouble, and that's what happened last night. And Colorado picked up five rushing touchdowns. <laughs> Lindsey had three. Kyle Evans, who just received his scholarship uh, this offseason, he had one and 59 yards on 11 carries. And Sefa yeah. Lufau, who has been hurt, and we weren't sure he was going to play. Well, he looked really good. And he, he played well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, he's good quarterback, and, and this is, you know, look, this is an example of a team. I mean, listening to some on the radio, they made the point that, you know, there's a lot of names they were calling that are part of the teams that ASU's beat up the last couple of years. And and these guys, you know, they've, they've stayed the course, and they've gotten better, and, and, and they've learned how to win closer games now. I mean, the game at Oregon was certainly uh, – uh, you know, one that that you know is a game they don't win in the past because they've had a number of close losses over the past couple of years, and now they're they're a more mature, better team. And and uh, you know, we ran into a buzzsaw last night in some ways. Yeah, their receiving core torched us. Bryce Bobo six catches for 110 yards, but Bobo had six catches. Devin Ross had six yeah. catches. Jay McIntyre had four catches. Kyle Evans with a catch. Shea Fields with a pair of catches, and Philip Lindsay with four catches out of the backfield. Yeah, Sefo um, Lufau was every bit the senior leader, 23 for 31 for 265 plus the rushing score. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they they did everything they wanted. I mean, when you give up as many yards in that game, and this, was, this wasn't this was a, uh, you know, a Texas Tech or Cal where, you know, you're going to give up maybe, you know, 500 passing yards, but they don't run the ball much. Although Cal ran the ball somewhat successfully on us, but... Um, you know, yeah, they, they did pretty much it seemed like whatever they wanted, and if they had been able to cash in, you know, a couple of drives where they drove deep and had to settle for field goal attempts, again, this, the score could have been a lot worse. 
which is hard to imagine. Uh, when you look at ASU defensively, your leading tacklers yesterday were Ball, Mokiola, and Fiso. And that, yeah. you know, that is who you expect to be your leading tacklers. The problem sure. with that is between the three of them, they had 29 tackles, and all of them seemed to be after someone else missed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that was, you know, even last week when I thought our, our defense had its best performance of the year, you know, we still had a couple of plays that, that you know, short passes, a dump-off pass to a running back that goes for 66 yards, a, you know, a throw over the middle that probably should have been about a 15-yard gain goes for, I think, a 70-yard touchdown or something like that. So, I mean, it, you know, it's a common theme. And I don't know what you do about I mean, I, I honestly don't know what you do because um, it's a – it seems to be a team-wide problem, um, and you're at a point of the year where you, you know, look, you, you can't go and and practice tackling in practice for an hour, you know, because you got guys beat up as it is. You know, you, if you're going to work on tackling, that's something you have to do in the spring and in August. Um, so I, I, I think we're kind of stuck. I, I hate to, I hate to feel that way, but I do. I mean, it seems now. And it's funny because our game was on at the same time as Wisconsin-Ohio State. Yeah. And you watch yeah. that game, and that's two good defenses where when a guy gets hit, he goes down, and they wrap yeah. up, and they swarm to the ball. And I feel like ASU doesn't do any of that. They don't swarm to the ball well, no. and they don't wrap up well. And that you know that just compounds the problem of when you can't cover. If you can't cover and you can't tackle, what is it you do here? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, you know, last night there wasn't a calling card for this defense. I mean, it's been being pretty good against the run. You know, that's been the one thing that we've, we've done fairly well over the last year and a half is, is stop the run. And we did it last week, held them to minus one rushing yards. And that's sacks involved too. But, you know, we, we did pretty good uh, stopping their run. But, but uh, yeah, last night there wasn't anything. And, and that's the problem. I mean, in, you know, I guess the, the question I have as this season has unfolded, and we've talked about it a little bit, you know, did we get away from our character? And, and you and I wanted this. I mean, I have to admit, we talked about it a lot over the offseason that we wanted to see a different approach. And we've seen a slightly different approach, but it almost feels like we lost our identity in the process. Well, and, and to that point, you know, Blitzing less or or picking your spots more effectively yeah. makes sense, but if you're not tackling anyway, like you and I have talked about, if instead of them blowing the li- the door off or the roof off on plays, and then you're you're giving up swing passes, but then your eight guys who aren't blitzing all miss tackles, right? It doesn't really do anything. I mean, yesterday the coverage problem reared its head again. Gump Hayes, there was a play where ASU got good pressure on Lufau, and he spun out of it, he rolled to his left, and Hayes jumped a short route when he's in man <laughs> coverage on somebody, you know, the, the right. receiver peels deep, and there's nobody within 20 yards because Hayes just left him. And, and, right. and look, right. I understand, part of that is Gump Hayes is a running back who became a receiver, who became a corner, but... He's he was the starter until a week ago. Right. No, agreed. And but I, I think I mean you hit on what I was going to say. He doesn't have defensive instincts. Those are things that you you build from playing the position over a long period of time, and he hasn't done that. And and so you know yeah you're right. Uh, but uh, you know I I hear that again. I didn't watch it. Um, I have to admit you know I, I 
no Pac-12 network. Thank you, Larry Scott, for that. But also, I wasn't here. So I didn't see it. But hearing that, it just sounds like a guy who doesn't, who doesn't really know the intricacies of the position right now. And probably won't because, I mean, the time is running out, obviously. Well, it, it felt watching it a lot like when you play, you know, backyard football or like we used yeah. to go to the park and play when <laughs> we were in high school where you stand five feet away from a guy because you know your buddy can't actually make a, a hard bullet throw. Right, Except right. these are college quarterbacks who can make yeah, a hard yeah. bullet throw and then you're five feet away from a guy who's as fast as you. Right, right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just... Uh... I don't know. I don't, you know, again, I don't think there's a, an easy fix for this. I mean, you know, you saw some, some improvement against UCLA with some of the personnel changes, but I, I think we both knew that that wasn't a magic elixir. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, you saw some improvements and things were good about that. And, you know, hopefully there's still some things you can take from that going forward. But, you know, there's, there's not a, a magic wand to wave over this. It's, it's a problem that's been a problem now for a year and a half. A little bit even more than that, to be honest. I mean, even in 2014, we had a knack for giving up a lot of big plays. We just were able to overcome them more. Um, so I don't know what the answer is. I truly do not know, but uh, I hope I hope somebody on the coaching staff can figure out an answer, maybe not this year, but going forward into next year. Well, here's another thing that's a little bit scary. Mokiola Fiso and Ami Latu were three of the five leading tacklers, or, yeah. or also in ball. Those are all upperclassmen. Those guys aren't going to be here for three years. You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you know. And Calhoun, I, add Calhoun to that list. True, true. I mean, that's, you know, that's one of the things that has bothered me about the situation we're in with our secondary is, you know, why we're having to rely on a guy like Gump Hayes and a transfer like Bryson Eccles. And, look, I, I know everybody kind of has to plug holes here and there, but – we're in year five with this coaching staff. And so there can't be any more excuses of, oh, well, the cupboard was bare and, you know, didn't recruit well. I mean, some of those were legit. And he overcame them, you know, plugged some holes with Juco guys and stuff like that in his first couple years. But, you know, by now you'd like to have guys that were in the pipeline and not seeing a lot of that. So that's, that's the biggest concern for me going forward is, you know, the only way to fix this is get better personnel. I think that's, I mean, that's the magic wand, but it, that's not a magic wand. It takes patience and time to do that, and I, I don't know if we're on the right track right now. Well, when you put it like that, it really is a little concerning because look at the top line of guys. You've got Hayes, who's a senior. You've got Eccles, who's a graduate transfer. Mm-hmm. You've got Juco transfers in Rhodes and Chandler. You've got Mokiola, who's a senior. It, it's really Robertson, who's like right. the only young guy in the secondary, you know, I yeah. guess Perry, who you can say, okay, Perry, Adams, and Robertson, they got two years together. True, true. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a few, um, but yeah, I mean, you're going to need contributions from hopefully some guys that, that we haven't seen yet. I mean, I guess a guy like Chase Lucas is a, is, a, is a name that, you know, comes to mind. I mean, he hasn't played yet. Kyle Williams, another one. Although I yeah, think we'll, Kyle we'll Williams got in yesterday. Did he? Kyle Did he? Williams, okay. I, I believe Kyle Williams and uh, Jack Smith both got in. So. I know Jack Smith. Yeah, I mean, I know you saw I saw that, and then I saw Doug Haller mention that too, that he was in. So, uh, you know, we haven't seen a lot from those guys. Um, you hope that, that they can, you know, be a, effective going forward because, 
again, that's that's really the only way to fix this is get better players. I mean, it and it's a whole lot easier said than done. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, you you know, all the great schemes in the world don't matter unless you've got the players to execute them. Now there may be some problems with this scheme too. I don't know, but you know, right now we just don't seem to have the players. Well, that's the thing. If you can't tackle and you're not pressuring the quarterback, which ASU only with one sack yesterday, yeah. Ami Latu yeah. with the one sack, they only had three quarterback hurries all game. Mm-hmm. You know, if you give Sefo Lufau all the time in the world, he'll pick you apart or you'll face a team that can run all over you because you're not getting right. any penetration. That's the other thing. Right. We only had six tackles for a loss. They ran the ball all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, agreed. And, and you know, and again, no uh, one sack, no turnovers forced by the defense. I mean, those are the calling cards of this defense. And, and when we had our best years, 13 and 14, that was, you know, the, the identity. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, none of those years did we have a great defense but we had an impact defense and now we're not getting that. And we didn't get it a tremendous amount last year, but more so than this year. Um, so that, that's what I get at. And, and look again, I admit it, you know, I, I wanted them to change their approach. Some, I think everybody did. Um, but I, part of me wonders if maybe they changed their approach so much that they've kind of lost who they are. It's a hard thing to do. I mean, it's like any sport, you know, if you're a, if you're a big driver of the ball in golf, and you try to change the way you play the game, that's, that's hard, man. Sometimes you get away from what you are. Yeah, you, you, know, you have to be true to yourself and to what your personnel will allow, but God, you, you know, tackling is, is a fundamental part of any kind of defense. And they, oh, yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, that's the thing, yeah. And that's, that's what it comes down to and why I don't necessarily you know, blame scheme as much as, as execution because, yeah, I, you know, look at – there are some issues scheme-wise, I think, uh, but when it comes down to it, you, you know, if guys are in the right position, they have to make the play, and we haven't had enough of that. And and so that's the that's the bugaboo going forward that I just I don't know if we can fix it because uh, again, you know, seven games in, it's hard to fix something like that. On the flip side, the Colorado defense looked terrific. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. I mean, they, they put a ton of pressure on and, and uh, made the long night for Manny, who I'm not sure should have been out there at all. Five sacks for Colorado, eight tackles for a loss, in addition to another six quarterback hurries. And I, I want to start with something that, you, you know, seemed really prevalent throughout the game, which is Cody Cole blocking in pass protect one-on-one can't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned it, and and then I, I saw the same observation from Doug Haller that said he was struggling there. Um, I know he's, you know, he's gotten some praise for his run blocking this year, but yeah, obviously it was a tough night there. And I, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head in some ways. And it's something we worried about a little bit with Brady White last week. Was you know, this line isn't great, um, but they've been able to survive because you had a. a mobile quarterback for the first four and a half games last night we didn't have that even though it was the same guy he obviously didn't have his running ability um in spite of him saying post game that he was 100 percent, he yeah. obviously wasn't so he, he said 100 yeah. he said 100 graham said 85 to 90 yeah and if yeah. It, if his leg was more than 75 percent healthy i'd be stunned he was immobile in the pocket yeah and yeah. and you saw I mean, some of that is injury, and, and then I think the numbers bear out, too, that like that's not his game, is standing in the pocket and throwing over and over. I mean, 
you know, 13 to 35 is, is awful. Um, you know, because I think you take away his strength, which is kind of getting out, improvising, um, you know, making things happen that aren't there. And he did that pretty well when he was healthy and he just wasn't able to do that last night. No, I mean, Manny, I mean, the improvisation is what has saved this line because they allow rushers to get through, but then there are big holes. But the problem last night was Manny, Manny looked like the kind of quarterback who, if he had a big arm and was a great passer, you would want because he would he would move and try to keep his head looking down sure. the field. And the problem is, one, he's not that guy. He's, no, he's not. He's not in that class of quarterback yet. And two, the threat of him actually taking off was gone. You know, right. he, his longest run of the night was seven yards. There were a couple times where he had, you know, a healthy Manny Wilkins scrambles for a first down. This yeah. version of Manny gets tackled two, three yards short or doesn't try to run at all. And, Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, it comes down to the fact, and you know, we we talked about it during the week, and I still think it. Um, I just don't understand why he played last night, I, and and I I hope that by playing him, he didn't make it worse um, or take you know take longer to recover. I just I feel like that was a game last night, like we talked about, that even with a hundred percent healthy Manny Wilkins, we could have gotten beat. We probably would have, based on what they did, based on our defensive struggles. We probably don't win that game, even with our offense humming at a pretty good rate. Um, and so I just don't see why they did that. And and I guess I guess the only conclusion I could draw is that Dylan Sterling Cole is just not ready to play. But that's that's bad because you know, look, uh, the other two guys are gone; they're not coming back. So okay, maybe Manny could play through that last night. But what if he gets hurt worse? You may have to go to Sterling Cole. And the, and the first thing I said to you last night when we were going back and forth was, man, he can't have any confidence because if you're willing to send Manny Wilkins out there at half speed, that kid's got to be thinking, well, geez, they don't believe in me. So if he does have to play, you know, he's going to be questioning himself, you'd think. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm glad you brought this up. DSC, you, from everything that they say publicly – is looking good, he's making great strides, he's doing everything they ask him to do. Well, if that's all true, and you rip the red shirt off, and Manny can't run, right. you might as well put him in there. And, and, and the other thing was, what, what I didn't understand is, when we're in the blowout, you know, when it's going bad, and we're down 20 in the second half, or down, yeah. you know, three scores... Yeah. Why not put him in then? Like, what's the harm in letting him finish the game? Instead, Manny takes, you know, Manny takes two or three more hard shots. Yeah. And, you know, you just make it more difficult for him to be healthy and ready to go next week. Right, right, yeah. And then you got, you know, two more weeks before the bye. Um, And these are games that that you need because, uh, you know, and this is another thing I think we'll discuss more, but, you know, this, this team's been a whole lot different at home than on the road. And so you need to get this one. And then and then if you're going to get one on the road, probably at Oregon looks the most gettable. I mean, Arizona, I guess, in some ways as well. But, you, you know, rivalry game is always tricky. Um, but Oregon looks like the game you can get, certainly more likely than Washington. So, uh, yeah, it just, it just didn't make sense to me. And, and I think that's exactly it. You know, the actions did not back up the words. We've heard a lot of good things about Dylan Sterling Cole and, you know, 
Todd Graham said, boy, I haven't had a true freshman pick things up this fast. Well, we didn't see that in practice last night. Because if, if really that was true, why wasn't he playing? Yeah, I mean, I get that Manny's your starter. And everyone wants to say he's a gamer and look what he was able to do and look at the grittiness and the guts. Sure. And that's all great, except we got killed and you right. should have just played Sterling Cole. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, I, look, I admire him for wanting to play. Um, you know, we talked about Rosen last week and, I, you know, even during that game as we were watching it together, I, you know, I, I admire guys who are willing to put it on the line um, when they probably shouldn't. You know, and I, I mean, that's that's a little bit old school football thinking and we're kind of getting out of that a little bit. But but, you know, you have to respect that, that he wanted to go out there and play. But that's why you have coaches to say, you know, man, we appreciate that you're tough and that you want to play, but you're not ready. You're just not ready. We're going we're gonna to keep you out this week, get you healthy for next week. And um, I just, I mean, again, I didn't see it, but based on what you said, based on what I read, he didn't look at all good. So I just don't understand the reasoning behind this. And that's why I say the only reasoning that makes sense to me is that Sterling Cole was just really struggling in practice to the point where they felt like there's just no way they could do it. I mean, Manny ended 13 of 35 for 149 yeah. yards with a touchdown and a pick. And he had a long run of seven when there were huge open spaces because Colorado figured out in about two plays that you don't need to spy him. You don't need to leave a guy in the middle of the field. Just cover and pin your ears back because he's not going anywhere. And and that's when you have a, a porous offensive line when it comes to pass protect. And you've got receivers who, if they weren't named Tim White, they were not open yesterday. Right, right, yeah. There's no reason to respect that, and then you get blown out, and you get cut up by a good attacking defense, and that's, you know... It obviously happens, yeah. You know, when you're playing at altitude, the other thing that bugs me about this, and we talked about this going in, and you felt like if it was Manny who's injured or Sterling Cole making his first start that you would lean on the running game. Uh Demario Richard had 10 carries for 59 yards, and he led the way in carries. Kalen yeah. Bellage had seven carries for 14 yards. We ran one sparky pl- package play with Richard, which he took for 37 yards. You take, yeah, which worked. I yeah. Mean, yeah. But you take that run out, Richard was nine carries for 22, Bellage was seven for 14, and Ralston was two for eight. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that's it's not bad. enough. It's yeah. not enough. No, now, you know, I, I guess I guess the, the one thing that you could say – you know, is obviously you fell behind in the second half, and you you know once you're down thirty to ten, the running game sort of comes out. So I don't I don't know exactly what the breakdown of that was in the first half to second half, but I I would think that's probably part of it. But another part of it is only three and out. So Archie disagrees. Archie disagrees. Apparently with you. he does. He I hear him. Yeah. he wants you to stick to the running game because <laughs> when you lose your identity. That's what allows a defense to pin their ears back. Now, no, you're right. You're you know, right. I mean, it's a it's a tricky balance there, you know. But it but it is hard in some ways when you're down thirty to ten to continue to run. But that again, that's what I was saying. You know, when you're going three and out, you just don't get very many plays. I mean, and we had a ton of three and outs last night. It sounded like. Oh, it, I mean, it was difficult to watch. The offense looked as ineffective as I've ever seen. I mean, the touchdown drive was from a gift. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, what? We got the ball at the 32 or something like that. So that's what mm-hmm. I mean when, you know, special teams really created the, the touchdown for us. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was a rough night. It was what I think I saw the lowest total yards we've had in, in the you know four and a half years under Graham. Um, you know, we had under, two, under two hundred total yards, right? One hundred ninety nine total yards for us. 580 total yards for Colorado. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to win a game like that. That's what I mean when I say 24 points was probably as small a margin as this could realistically be. Uh, you know, like all the numbers point to this game just being a 50-point beatdown. I mean, I guess, you know, you can take solace in that because there's, other than Zane Gonzalez, there was nothing about watching that game that made you feel good about the direction no, we're going right now. No, no. I mean, it, it was it was a game that, that kind of, like, I'll say this. Because I thought it was going to be Dylan Sterling Cole all week, and I really did, it kind of was in my mind that this could be this style of game because Colorado's got a good offense. We know our defense cannot keep us in games on its own. We know that. Um, and, and so I, I kind of thought, and I think I even said this to you, that, my fear was that we'd fall behind and Sterling Cole would have to start throwing and he'd throw picks and it would just snowball. Now, it wasn't that way, but it still ended up that kind of game where we fell behind, we couldn't get the offense going, the defense couldn't make stops to, to keep the game within you know, a, a shouting distance, and, and it just got out of hand. Again, you know, we, we are, I mean, it doesn't mean anything total score, but quite honestly, we're lucky we didn't get beat by 50 the way it sounds. I mean, we, we were totally outclassed. Um, the fact that we were within, you know, 17 points in the fourth quarter seems like kind of a miracle. I mean, it, I, I guess as an ASU fan, if you're sitting here, what you hope is, well, they lose a road blowout. They usually come back and play well. They do. They do. I mean, we talked about that last week and, and we're going to have to, I mean, you know, the, the, the home road disparity is concerning, going forward for the rest of the year but you I guess you know for at least this week you hope it continues on that path because this has been a totally different team at home um that you know the defense has played better not great I mean they did give up 55 to Texas Tech and 41 to Cal but they made impact plays they made the plays that that we needed to see and and the offense has certainly been better at home I mean that's that's not even close the off the offense is a huge disparity from what they do home and road um so you have to hope that that continues because it's a good team coming in they were buried after they started 0-2 but you know they're they're three and zero in the conference they're right there with washington at the top of the north and you know if we're going to get to that seven wins you know that that means protecting home field it's not going to be easy no it's going to be a very tough game and there's it, this is one of those games where you feel like the you know it's lazy analysis, but it's time to go back to the drawing board because this wasn't working. Whatever we were trying to do to get here did not work. No, no, I agreed. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't I don't want to over panic. I mean, it's a game. I think we both expected. We both picked ASU to lose. We both expected ASU to lose, and they did. And so I I, I don't want to over react and think oh disaster you know and I, and I read stuff like that on twitter which i know is not the place to you know to go read but since i didn't see the game i'm trying to get people's reactions i'm thinking you know calm down like still five and two everything is everything is still possible i mean realistically did you think this team was going to be in the pac-12 title game i did not um and so you know and that's not out of the realm of possibility yet but, you know, we still have things to gain. We're still probably overachieving based on the personnel we've got. 
Um, so I, I'm not panicking, but you know, certainly whatever we're doing to travel, that needs to change. Now that's not an issue for this week, but it's an issue for three of the final four games uh, because you know whether it whatever it's a mental thing or a physical thing or what, but. The road execution has been really bad. We should be 0-3 on the road. We were very lucky to win the one we did. Um, and we've been absolutely demolished both times against good competition. Yeah. No, I mean, it's something's got to change. Hopefully this week against Washington State, the offense can click a little bit better. And Going to have to. I mean, you know, they're, they're a bit different than they've been. Uh, I mean, they won, a, they won kind of a, a slugfest last night, which Washington State hasn't been able to win those type of games. But they... They could still throw for a lot of yards, but they can also grind it out on you. And so they're, they're going to be a challenge. Again, uh, you know, they, they have uh, once again answered the bell from a tough start, just like they did last year. Another good quarterback. Uh, it seems like every week we're facing a quarterback who's capable of, of you know, torching us. And a lot of times that quarterback has, even in wins. Uh, so it, it's going to be a struggle. But, you know, again, just hope that home emotion plays a factor that it has so far. Well, we'll be back in the middle of the week to preview that game. Really quickly before we go, just looking around the rest of the college football uh, landscape, the Wisconsin-Ohio State game was a heck of a game, and I feel like this kid, Alex Hornibrook, the quarterback for Wisconsin, he was, you know, he's a year or two away from the maturity to close out games like that, but, you know, that was a hell of a first half, and the Badgers' defense is for real, That you know, the coach they got, um, who they picked up from, I think, was it LSU? Um, Who is their coach? Is it it Wilcox? Yeah, Tennessee. He was at Tennessee, I believe, yes. Yes, I mean. He's he's been well-traveled. He's been in the Pac-12. He was with Washington and USC for a time, too. Yeah, he's he's legit. That defense is good, but Ohio yeah. State looked really good. It's going to be yeah. exciting when you get to that rivalry game between Ohio it State is. and Michigan. I mean, you know, I was I was looking ahead at that last night after Ohio State won and looking at both their schedules, and they both got a you know a potential obstacle here and there. But boy, I mean, it's it's not crazy to think they could both get to eleven and zero and and play that you know Saturday after Thanksgiving, uh, basically for you know for at least a trip to the Big Ten title game and maybe a trip to the playoff, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, impressive by Wisconsin, but more so by Ohio State to survive that because that's, that's a tough game. I mean, you're, it's the game – we talked about it going in. It's the game that Wisconsin needed to play to win. Get up by 10 and see if the young Ohio State team could respond, and they did. JT Barrett, man, the guy is – he's impressive. You know, like he just has that – that it factor that you can't really put your put your finger on but you'd like to have him on your side when things get tough and uh you know they're going to be tough to beat the rest of the way yeah and that leads to uh the other big game which was alabama taking care of tennessee and and setting up a a pretty exciting matchup against texas a&m yeah yeah i mean a big game you'll see if a&m is is up to the task um uh, you know, on on the factor of Tennessee, I, I was having this discussion. This was before the game started yesterday. I was talking to somebody at work, and I and I said, you know, Tennessee reminds me a little. They they were better than this team, but reminded me a little of that 2007 ASU team that won some games they probably shouldn't have won. Didn't maybe have the miracle finishes that Tennessee did, but still, you know, they got to eight zero and really probably didn't have any business being eight zero. And then after they lost at Oregon, the, the air kind of came out of the balloon and remember got just housed by USC on Thanksgiving. 
that kind of felt that way yesterday that, that, you know, Tennessee's magic carpet ride is over and, and reality set in a little bit. Yeah, absolutely seemed to be the case. But Alabama's great. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from them. Well, I mean, they scored 49 points on a team that's defense-oriented. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and they got two, you know, non-offensive touchdowns. I think they have 11 defense or special teams touchdowns this year. So, I mean, uh, that's – it's incredible. You know, their their defense hasn't been the shutdown group that thought they might be, and they gave up 30 to Arkansas and 40-some to Ole Miss. But, man, they they make those impact plays. The things that we're talking about are missing from ASU – they make a ton of them, and, and and that's you know, and their offense has been really good behind the true freshman. He's he's been good. Yeah, I mean, it's been surprising to see an offense play that well, especially you know in a conference that's known for its defense. And yeah, and they've done it on the road too. I mean, you know, at Ole Miss, at Arkansas, at Tennessee, uh, you know, got to give credit to Lane Kiffin, and I do that begrudgingly, as I think most people do. But, man, the guy has, has been a, a wizard on that offense since he got there. You know, he made it work with Blake Sims. He made it work with Jay Coker, a totally different type of quarterback than Blake Sims. And now he's going to an even, you know, even more of a runner than Sims with Hurts. And, it, you know, he just, just finds a way. You know, he takes advantage of what's there. Last year it was Derrick Henry. You know, Derrick Henry's gone. Well, they find another way. Yeah, this is... This is the true definition of next man up when it comes to college football. Because this yeah. team, they, you know... There's no, you know, there's no team that reloads quite the way these guys do. No, no, agreed. And, and you know, I mean, it has, like, it, it seems simple, but what they seem to do is find their, their best player and they just hammer it. Two years ago was Amari Cooper. You know, they threw to Amari Cooper so many times. The numbers were ridiculous, the disparity between him and the next guy. But you couldn't stop him. Last year's, you know, Derrick Henry carrying the ball, you know, 40 to 50 times a game at the end of the year. Couldn't stop him. Now he's gone, and it's, it's you know, a combination of Hurts, who's developing as a passer but a better runner, Damian Harris, who was kind of the afterthought going into the year. Everybody thought it would be Bo Scarborough would be the back. And, and he's made that work with a, with a very different look than what they did last year. So a lot of credit to the guy. I mean, he, his personality still rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but no doubt he's a good coach. Yeah, all all Nick Saban's done is hire all of the assistants from uh, Pete Carroll's USC teams, and <laughs> that didn't work as head coaches at USC. Yeah, it's gotta it's gotta be uh, pretty galling if you're a USC fan to see you know Kiffin having that success, and I know it was galling for Tennessee fans too. Uh, that could have been fun, uh, you know, seeing him walk off the field triumphantly yesterday with a big win. Absolutely not. Well, we will preview. A&M, Tennessee, so I know Greg Powell listen. And, yeah, of course, yeah. we'll preview ASU Washington State uh, when we come back in the middle of the week. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.